turned again this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 14. Deuteronomy chapter 14. I don't have an awful lot to say uh, prior to just going on to reading the portion for today, but one thing just uh, amazed me actually that happened in India in a place called Kottayam, in that district of India. At least 50 people have reportedly lost their vision after gazing at the sun looking for an image of the Virgin Mary. Those, though alarmed, health authorities have installed a signboard to counter the rumour that a solar image of Virgin Mary appeared to the believers. Curious onlookers, including foreign travellers, have been thronging the venue to see the miracle. St. Joseph's Ear, Nose and Throat and Eye Hospital in Kanjarapali have recorded 48 cases of vision loss due to photochemical burns on the retina. All our patients have similar history and symptoms. The damage is to the macula, the most sensitive part of the retina. They have developed photochemical not thermal burns after continuously gazing at the sun. Dr. James Isaac, the hospital's ophthalmologist, said. The hospital has been receiving patients with these abnormal symptoms, uh, and when the doctors found a pattern in the case sheets, they, they reported it to the district medical officer. The health department has now put up a signboard at the hotelier's house in Aromaly, where the divine image is said to have appeared, warning people against exposing their eyes to sunlight. Even the churches in the vicinity disown the miracle, and that takes something for the Roman Catholic Church to disown the miracle, but there we are, uh, during Sunday Mass after health officers and doctors approach the clergy. The house in question has been the centre of local rumours for a few months. The hotelier, who has since moved to another house, had claimed that statues of Mother Mary in his house had been crying honey and bleeding oil and perfumes. Though people have been flocking to the blessed land, hastily christened Rosa Mystica Mountain, for long... The mad rush for the image in the sky began just about a week ago. There are quite a few people still seeking the miracle, despite the experiences of their unfortunate predecessors and strict health warnings against gazing at the sun with the naked eye. It's a case of the blind leading the blind. So, just interesting, but isn't it amazing what people will do? and what the churches will permit them to do until something serious occurs. Now, we will go to something a bit more serious and sensible. Deuteronomy chapter 14, and we'll read now from verse 3. Thou shalt not eat any abominable thing. These are the beasts which ye shall eat, the ox, the sheep, and the goat, the hart, and the roebuck, and the fallow deer, and the wild goat, and the bison, and the wild ox, and the chamois, 
and every beast that parteth the hoof and cleaveth the cleft into two claws and cheweth the cud among the beasts that ye shall eat nevertheless these ye shall not eat of them that chew the cud or them that divide the cloven hoof as the camel and the hare and the coney for they chew the cud but divide not the hoof therefore they are unclean and the swine because it divided the hoof yet cheweth not the cud it is unclean unto you ye shall not eat of their flesh nor touch their dead carcass these ye shall eat of all that are in the waters all that have fins and scales shall ye eat and whatsoever hath not fins and scales ye may not eat it is unclean unto you God will bless his word last week we looked at the commands regarding clean and unclean animals you know we need to move on we're just saying before we started this morning we need to move on through Deuteronomy but there is one point from last week that I think I want to go over uh, and needs a little comment on before proceeding on to verses 9 and 10 verse 8 and the swine because it divided the hoof yet cheweth not the cud it is unclean unto you ye shall not eat of their flesh nor touch their dead carcass two points regarding unclean animals from which we may learn important lessons unclean animals were not to be eaten nothing unclean was to be consumed taken into the body and digested by a Jew now eating pork or some other unclean animal may not have seemed to be a heinous sin to many and certainly not to any Canaanite but to God we saw in verse 5 it was an abomination abominable and we as Christians as a Christian am I consuming into my head and heart those things which are detrimental to my Christian walk before God in this world have we become desensitized by the world around us Paul wrote to Timothy in 1st Timothy chapter 4 and he reminds us and Timothy of the times to come times which in which we are probably now living it says now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies in hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron their consciences have been cauterized hardened when a, something is cauterized on our body it's, 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 hot, it's heated and a, a callous uh, forms and that's what's happening it says to people's consciences they are becoming callous hard not sensitive to the things of God we used to sing a chorus years ago soften my heart Lord soften my heart from all indifference set me apart to feel your compassion to weep with your tears soften my heart O Lord soften 
my heart. And when I was thinking about this, I, I remembered being in Calcutta and I was sitting in the car uh, with a, a woman called Premala. And she worked constantly with the very, very poor. We'd had a, a longish day and it was near the end. We were going home. We were waiting for somebody. And the usual crippled beggar came along to the car to beg. Premala gave him a few coins. I asked her why. Was she not only encouraging this and the customs they have over there of maiming children so that they can beg a bit more uh, lucratively and she just said that he was so poor and so much in need of a little help and she saw them every day but her heart was still soft he taught me a lesson in all situations we need to have a soft heart and a lively conscience we don't want our consciences to be seared with a hot iron. You know, the poverty in, in Calcutta, this amazed me one day, is, is so obvious. Yet one day she was going off to speak to a group of ladies in a, in a church. I asked her what she was speaking about and she said it was about the poverty in the city and the work she was doing. These middle class women living in the middle of corrosive poverty every day had cauterized consciences they weren't she says they weren't aware of how bad things were and Paul writing to Titus reminds him regarding regarding this he says in Titus 1.15 unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure but even their mind and conscience is defiled our consciences can become hardened and defiled. And he goes on in verse 22 of Titus 1 to say to, to Titus, Do not be a partaker of other men's sins. Don't copy what other people are doing. Keep thyself pure. It's a challenge to us, isn't it? Well, that was the in verse 8 of our chapter. It says that they weren't to eat any of the pork. And they, their carcass it says ye shall not touch they weren't even allowed to touch the t carcass of these unclean animals when they were dead Paul said keep thyself pure to Titus Jude puts this in perspective I think Jude in verse 17 but you beloved remember the words spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ because they told you that at the last times there will be mockers according to their lusts leading ungodly lives these are those setting themselves apart animal like ones not having the spirit but you beloved building yourselves up by your most holy faith praying in the holy spirit keeping yourself keep yourselves in the love of god eagerly awaking, awaiting the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to everlasting life that's the way he said you, there's going to be trouble in the churches there are going to be people who will creep in and come in and cause dissension and division they will be animal like ones not having the spirit but he says you keep yourself 
in the knowledge and love of God. And then he says, and some of them have pity, making a distinction between some and others. But save others with fear, snatching them out of the fire, hating even the garment having been stained from the flesh. Oh, he says, these people have been stained by the flesh. Their very garments have been affected. Don't be tainted, he says. Keep thyself pure. Keep yourself in the the love and mercy of God. And keep away from these attachments that these people have. So that you yourself will be kept pure. Keep away, scripture tells us, we said it last week, from all appearance of evil. Not just the evil itself, but from all appearance from evil. Of course, we cannot keep ourselves pure. That's impossible. Man is sinful. We can be pure. How? Jude continues. Now, to him that is able to keep you without stumbling... And to set you before his glory without blemish, with unspeakable joy. The only wise God, our Saviour. He is the one who will keep us pure. He is the one who will keep us from falling. He is the one who will stop us stumbling. He is the one who will keep us from being contaminated by the sin around us. To the only wise God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty and might and authority, even now and forever. Amen. We may stumble and fall, but there is one who will keep us from stumbling and to present us without blemish and with unspeakable glory in heaven. We will appear in his righteousness, not in our righteousness, which is as filthy rags. Now, we move on to the next two verses. Verses 9 and 10 I thought it was important just to emphasize those two little points regarding eating and not even touching the dead carcass verse 9 these these ye shall eat of all that are in the waters all that have fins and scales shall ye eat and whatsoever hath not fins and scales ye shall not eat It is unclean unto you. Now, this excludes any sea animals which are unclean. So here again we have two qualifications. As we had with the animals on land, we have two qualifications in this case for sea animals. Whether they are to be regarded as clean or else regarded as unclean. The first thing it says is that they must have fins now we know that a fish without fins will not get very far in the river or in the sea fins enable the fish to move and advance through the water some slowly and some with fantastic power you know, I don't know whether you've ever seen a salmon making its way upstream to spawn and 
we're constantly amazed when we see the power that these fish have enabling these wonderful fish to jump over the weirs and other obstacles in the river wonderful sight to see them all waiting at the bottom of a weir right, waiting to, to, to get the right energy just to jump up I sat in, in Ballyshannon in the summer and saw the salmon leap and I said as I beheld the gallant creatures spring glittering from the deep through the spray and through the prone heaps striving onward to the calm clear streams above Samuel Ferguson's poem what a picture the salmon leaping glittering in the sunlight striving onwards up to the spawning beds what a picture of a Christian using the power of the Holy Spirit to live in an environment which at times is rough at times meeting what appears to be unsurmountable objects but by the enabling power of the Spirit of God we are more than conquerors we are to move forward to use our fins which God has given to us spiritual fins Paul writing in Romans says who shall separate us from the love of God shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us for I am persuaded neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord like a salmon pressing to reach the spawning beds we too should like Paul be prepared to say this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus as the salmon gets over these weirs and through these obstructions on the river his sole object is to reach his goal that's what we should be like as Christians you know, when a salmon on the run, it doesn't waste any time in seeking to get to its destination. You know, it doesn't eat, it doesn't feed. It doesn't waste any time feeding. It puts all its energies and efforts just to reach its goal. What does it say in Hebrews? Like us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin doth, which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith let us press onward using the, the ability the power of the spirit which God has given to us to bri- drive forward towards the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus use our spiritual fins and the other qualification for a fish to be clean was it must have scales 
wonderful colours in the scales of fish. Surely all fishes have scales. I, I've never seen a fish, I must say, that hadn't scales, but there are, there are species of fish that lack scales. There are things called clingfishes. In the eastern cleaner clingfish in Australia, they're scaleless. They don't have scales. Their bodies are covered with a kind of mucus. They have fins, but no scales. Therefore, a Jew wouldn't have been allowed to eat it. Why do fish have scales? Why? Why have they got scales? Well, apparently, the primary purpose of scales is to give the fish external protection. They protect the fish's body. I was thinking about this, and you know, medieval armour has been made very similar to fish scales in a lot of cases. It gave the soldiers protection. The, the type of scales that they had on types of armour. The fish, you know, has to move in an environment which in many ways was and is antagonistic to a fish. Comes against a lot of uh, obstructions in the river and its body needs to be protected. And it, was in, it is imperative that the water doesn't penetrate through the scales into the fish. Seems fairly obvious that. And the scales form an ideal protection and permit the fish to travel through the water unharmed. Very simple that. And we, as we go through this world, God has enabled us to be protected. How? He has provided, as the medieval soldier put on his armour, and as the fish had scales to prevent it from being injured and harmed, so God has given to us the armour of God to travel through this evil world if only we would make full use of it. Now this, what I'm going to say regarding the next bit here, is something which has been said over and over again, and perhaps we'll say it again some other time, but it's we've gone over it before, but it's good to remind ourselves of it. Ephesians 6 and verses 10 to we'll, we'll read the, the passage first and then we'll go back and have a look at it. Ephesians Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the armor of God. No. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the, the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints you know a fish had to persevere when it was going up the river if he stood at the bottom of a weir when the salmon are running you'll see the perseverance they had they mightn't get it up the first the second the third time it'll be maybe the fourth or fifth time they will have a go at the weir before they get up perseverance that's what we want be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil the devil is wily get that into our heads he's wily we cannot face him on our own we need to face him with the armor of God you know we we wrestle not it says against flesh and blood we are in a spiritual wrestling match all in wrestling and we need to put on the armor of God take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand so often we don't take the whole armor and then we wonder why we do not stand and why we're not able to withstand oh yes I I have the sword of the spirit the word of God but I forget about the shield of faith or I thoroughly believe in the helmet of salvation but I leave off the breastplate of righteousness we need to, to take on the whole armor the whole armor of God and having done all to stand I've said it before when we put on the armor of God we should keep it on <laughs> we had a girl in one of our little fellowships and she said when she got up in the morning she, she, she put on the armor of God but she shouldn't have taken it off at night time but she had the right idea nevertheless and in verse 14 therefore having talking now he's going to individually state the various things which we should put on standing stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth truth it's a strange thing to start with isn't it your loins girt about with truth they say that truth in a war is the first casualty that's the first thing which is degraded truth lies are told by each side as to what is happening it's important that even though we are fighting against evil forces that we still maintain the truth of God's word the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ so many people nowadays they tell the truth but they don't tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth 
we've said that so often you ask people what they believe and they seem to believe everything you believe but then they don't tell you what they don't believe we need to speak the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth and that's the first thing he says have yourself girt about with truth stand therefore have you ever noticed as you read these few verses here the number of times it says that we're to stand and withstand quite a few times throughout those few verses you know a soldier is not much good sitting down especially in the times in which this was written hand to hand fighting it was mostly if he's sitting down he's not prepared for an attack and he's not prepared to defend himself and you know I I read this old hymn and it's worth reading it over again stand up, stand up for Jesus ye soldiers of the cross lift high his royal banner it must not suffer loss from victory unto victory his army shall he lead till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed stand up stand up for Jesus the trumpet call obey forth to the mighty conflict in this his glorious day ye that are men now serve him against unnumbered foes let courage rise with danger and strength to strength oppose stand up stand up for Jesus stand in his strength alone the arm of flesh will fail you ye dare not trust your own put on the gospel armour each piece put on with prayer where duty calls or danger be never wanting there stand up stand up for Jesus the strife will not be long this day the noise of battle the next the victor's song to him that overcometh a crown of life shall be he with the king of glory shall reign eternally that just sums it up doesn't it and then it says to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace oh Paul's, uh, uh, Paul in Romans says <clears throat> how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things what a privilege what a joy to bring a message of peace to this world this world is a warring wicked lost world we have a message of peace how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace you know there are inside and outside churches there are many sirens singing messages of false hope in this world luring and beckoning souls to a lost eternity making them shipwreck on the sea of life wreckers on the cliffs of a lost eternity sadly this world knows nothing of the prince of peace they have rejected the one who can give peace and make peace with God then it says above all above all 
taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked I was reminded of those little fiery serpents that came into the camp away back in the time of Moses when the people sinned these little fiery things darting in and out attacking people Satan's fiery darts would attack us we need to have a strong faith faith belief and trust in a living saviour you know we hear so much rubbish even today on the Sunday program it reminded me again the Archbishop of York was on about it we hear so much about regarding faith we, we have faith religions people coming to faith people having faith in faith the Bible speaks of coming to a person the Lord Jesus Christ the only Lord and Saviour but today churches speak of people coming to faith they're afraid to say that they're coming to a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in a person Tony Blair in his blogs and on his site on his website he speaks about faith communities and faith it's not the same kind of faith they're talking about if, if Satan can take people's minds away from the Lord Jesus Christ and concentrate on a kind of nebulous faith then he has succeeded in turning that person on the road to hell then it says take the helmet of salvation the helmet protected the head the mind the devil wants to occupy the minds of people Christians need to have the helmet on the helmet of salvation they want to fill Satan wants to fill the minds of people keep their minds occupied with music, football, sport amusement of all binge drinking, drugs they attack the mind people are mindless these days we talk about well they are keep their minds full of rubbish and give no time for the message of the gospel to be heard we need the helmet of salvation to protect our minds let this mind be in you what mind? the mind, the Christ-like mind that's what he, we, we should have and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God the sword of the spirit which is the word of God listen to this old hymn another one what are we standing on what, uh, how are we standing standing on the promises of Christ my King through eternal ages let his praises ring glory in the highest I will shout and sing standing on the promises of God standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail by the living word of God the sword of the spirit I shall prevail standing on the promises of God standing on the promises I now can see perfect present cleansing in the blood for me standing in the liberty where Christ makes free standing on the promises of God standing on the promises of Christ the Lord bound to him eternally by love's strong cord overcoming daily 
with the spirit sword standing on the promises of God standing on the promises I cannot fall listening every moment to the spirit's call resting in my saviour as my all in all standing on the promises of God the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints we're to pray for others as we pray for ourselves praying and prayer are important restraining prayer we cease to fight prayer makes the Christian armor bright and Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees we used to sing another hymn giving you a lot of hymns today but they say it so well some of these old hymns they're full of good theology not like some of the hymns we come across these days but here's an old hymn sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my father's throne make all my wants and wishes known in seasons of distress and grief my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer the joys I feel the bliss I share of those whose anxious spirits burn with strong desires for thy return with such I hasten to the place where God my saviour shows his face and gladly take my position there and wait for thee sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer the wings thy wings shall my petition bear to him whose truth and faithfulness engage the waiting soul to bless and since he bids me seek his face believe his word and trust his grace I cast on him my every care and wait for thee sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer may I thy consolation share till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height that's where Moses looked over the land from Mount Pisgah's lofty height I view my home and take my flight this robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize and shout while passing through the air farewell farewell sweet hour of prayer <laughs> lovely may all of us learn to use the fins and the scales which God has supplied for us as we journey through this world moving ever upwards and onwards like the salmon going up the river protected from this evil world by the armor of God. Amen.